everyone. Thank you so much for listening again. So this week, um, as I've just mentioned in my introduction that you've just heard, I'm welcomed by David, David Ramsey, the talent acquisition partner at Armstrong Watson. David, how are you? Good, Sophia. How are you getting on? Yeah, yeah, I'm doing really, really well. Thank you. Um, Yeah, really excited to have you on because you're a very different guest, I suppose, to a lot of the directors and partners and founders that I've had on so far, your internal recruitment, basically, at a, at a top 30. Armstrong Watson, top 30, aren't they? That's right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you're, inter- you're heading up the internal recruitment team there at Armstrong Watson. So I bet a lot of people listening to this, whether they're a candidate in the market or hiring managers in the market, are probably thinking, well, what's this got to do with me? You know, what what am I going to learn from David? You know, he, he doesn't he's not a partner at Armstrong Watson. Um, I suppose what what they're missing there is you've got 14 years experience in recruitment in purely accounts and finance. That's right, isn't it? 14, 14 years. Yeah. Yeah, bar bar my first eighteen months, it's all been it's all been accountancy yeah. finance led. So you've been immersed in this market. You started off. We'll talk about this in a second. Yeah, your career history to give people a bit of a background. But you've worked in agency recruitment, yep. which is obviously what we do here at Drop Recruit. You've worked at Reed and Hayes, and then since then you've worked at places like PwC, RSM, and now Armstrong Watson. So you've yep. been around for a long time, <laughs> and you've yes, just- terrifyingly. Yeah, you've seen this market. So I suppose for everybody listening, that's what it's going to do with you. He's going <laughs> to give you an insight into the challenges that you're all facing, how it's changed and tips and tricks and things like that. Um, everything that he's learned over the years, really. So I suppose it's a brand new, rec- I don't want to say I'm a brand new, well, I'm kind of a brand new recruiter, but it's myself, you know, and then yeah. and David just having a real good chat um, about the market. So yeah, that's what it's got to do with you guys. So first, David, let's have a little talk about your career then. Let's give everyone like a bit of a picture um, of where you've come from, which is agency. Yeah, you're at Reed to now Armstrong Watson. So tell us a little bit about where you started out 14-ish years ago. No problem. You have just aged me ever so slightly. I feel about 105 (laughs) when you've given me that number. Um, so yeah, I started off. Um, I started off in banking um, many, many moons ago. Um, yeah. uh, moved into recruitment, as you say, fourteen years ago now. Terrifyingly, mm. um, I cut my teeth in industrial recruitment. So yeah. um, engineering, manufacturing, um, production staff, that sort of thing. Um, I did that because I wanted to learn the process of recruitment, and I wanted to learn it at the the sharp end to me there's probably no better education than trying to speak to lorry drivers <laughs> and the like at 4 a.m on a monday morning and trying to get them off to work and, and doing what they need to be doing so i did that for 18 months yeah um, before then joining uh reed accountancy yeah uh, with reed i was looking after their uh temporary hires desk covering the, okay. the northeast um this was a, a mixed role so it was practice recruitment it was um public sector recruitment it was industry recruitment um, and yeah. all on the temporary side um which was really interesting there was a lot going on in the northeast at that time with the likes mm-hmm. of um northern rock uh, there was a lot of opportunities in the marketplace from a finance point of view so it was yeah. a, a really interesting desk so this is um, around 2008 then is it that uh, it would have been about 2010 right. there about so we're still seeing um 
we're still seeing the fallout, I think, of the, yeah. the, the financial crash. Um, unfortunately, um, or fortunately, depending on how you're looking at it, whenever there's a big dip like that in the market, it creates opportunity. So mm-hmm. we'll look at Northern Rock as a really good example. They obviously um, were bought out by, by Virgin Money. They separated out different parts of the business. Um, but that created a lot of jobs. That yeah. created um, between 30 and 100 jobs in the Northeast, you know, bizarrely. So, yeah, uh, yeah was with Reed um, doing temporary work, I then went and did um, permanent uh, recruitment with them for a time. Yeah. And, and interestingly enough, when I was on that desk, I came across a really good candidate who worked for a small practice in the, yeah. the area. Um, really good CV, came across really well. Um, I hadn't really done a lot of practice recruitment because as you'll know, as the listeners will know, anyone in professional services, they don't do a lot of temporary recruitment. No, I was so just going to say, really... how did you do temp, <laughs> a temp recruitment for practice? It just doesn't work. Oh, that I, didn't know what to say. I bet you barely yeah. had any. <laughs> I, I didn't, I'd never really touched on practices and I yeah. didn't really know a great deal about them, to be fair. Yeah. Um, but I reached out to a few of them with the CV. Mm-hmm. None of them were, were actively recruiting anything like that. But within a day, she had four interviews with four really good firms. Mm. And I then thought, oh, this is, that's really interesting. Um, I then talked to more practices in the area. And what they all said was that because of the types of businesses they were, because they were selling services, they weren't making a product, manufacturing anything. If they've got good people that can deliver their services to their clients, for the most part, they'll always be interested in talking to bringing in good people. So as a recruiter, the first thing You're I like, yes, I've got a new yeah. I got new yeah, clients. <laughs> exactly. It's new yeah. clients, but it's all going to be about if I find a good person, it's not then about finding someone that's recruiting. It's not like a, a an industrial client where if they have an FC, they have an FC. It doesn't matter how good mm. the other FC is that you bring to the table. They, they have that role filled. There's always going to be a need. So that kind of pricked my interest with, with mm. practice. Um, Interestingly enough, about that time, um, I was referred on to Hayes by an ex-colleague of mine. Um, okay. Hayes were looking for someone to um, take on their public practice desk and their taxation desk. They'd had a bit of movement. They wanted to put the two together and yeah. they wanted someone to, to grow it. So the kind of stars aligned in that respect, timing-wise, because I was yeah. interested in working in practice. Hayes had a great opportunity. Um, the person that I was taking over from had a good reputation, so it was a really nice area of the market to be working on. Aww. And that kind of got me into, into practice. Um, right. So I did that with Hayes for just shy of, of three years. Um, mm-hmm. I, as you'll know, um, external recruitment's a, a hard job. Um, yeah. it's, it's a role that's got a lot of challenges. I've been doing it for about, what maybe six years at that point and I wasn't really yeah. sure what I wanted to do um but I really enjoyed my job I really enjoyed what I did um so I ended up talking to to PwC who were a client of mine um yeah and they were looking for someone to come in on a short-term basis and look after their resourcing in the north so not necessarily recruitment more around um, people management within the audit service line Yes, so making sure people what are on the right jobs within yeah, the business. Absolutely. Yeah, so yeah. making sure, yeah, you're absolutely right, making sure people on the right jobs and the jobs have the right um, teams in order to fulfil uh, what they need to fulfil. Um, yeah. So the way I looked at it at the time, Sophia, it was a brilliant opportunity to go and basically get under the hood of a, a client. 
Um, yeah, you're in there. <laughs> well, I thought I had a good understanding as to what practices did and how they worked. And what I learned really, really quickly after joining PwC is I knew very, very little. Um, <laughs> Go on, what did you kind of learn when you, when you got in there? What You say you thought you knew everything because you've been doing it for two years at Reedish and then three, that three years at Hayes or whatever it is. <laughs> um, my maths is rubbish, sorry. Um, <laughs> so what, you're what, what, <laughs> two plus three is bad. Um, <laughs> what did you think you knew and then what, what did you learn when you got there? I had in my mind a profile of what an accountant was. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't necessarily think of these people as being particularly dynamic or um, exciting. I had in my mind that certain service lines were very process driven and there wasn't really um, a lot of excitement in the likes of, say, I'll use audit as a good example, because audit is generally the one that gets a good kick for maybe not being um, an exciting service line to work in. Um, And when I went to PwC, I was purely looking after the audit service line. And what I learned very quickly is that the people that worked in that market were incredibly interesting, very bright, very driven individuals, Mm -hmm. um, highly ambitious. um, And the job was was very fulfilling from their point of view. And yes, there were some boring elements to it, but they were dealing with a multitude of clients um, across the country, um, across the globe, um, you know, for for some of them. Um, These range from oil and gas firms, banks, football clubs, all sorts of really big, interesting businesses. Um, And the people working on these roles were, as I say, really interesting people. So it kind of smashed through that myth of, all accountants wear grey suits and don't have much personality. Um, The business itself was quite forward thinking. So there was a lot of innovation around um, technology, around benefits, about making sure that there was uh, an inclusive and diverse team um, there. And these weren't things that I generally associated with (laughs) professional services. Um, So it was was quite eye opening, um, purely from the point of view that type of people yeah, in terms of, I have a lot of people tell me, you know, there's really long days involved in audit and especially at the big four. Did did that come up much when you were there? Do you feel like, because you've said a lot of benefits and a lot of positives there. Were they working long hours though? Like, was, was what, what did you see there? Yeah, is the short answer. Yeah. Absolutely. The teams worked incredibly hard. Mm. Um, and I think it's, it's the biggest issue Big Four had back then. It's still the biggest issue yeah. that we've got now. Um, they're excellent businesses. They really are. They're forward-thinking. They're yeah. innovative, as I say. Um, they uh, try to be at the front of the line in terms of yeah. you know, making sweeping changes in the marketplace. Yeah. However, people are still generally yeah. working 50, 60-hour weeks. Um so that's the big challenge big four have got yeah, it's getting no, that work-life balance but um, yeah. at the right place yeah so how long were you there then three three this this short contract ended up being was it three years you ended up staying yeah i was there um i was there yeah just shy of, of three years um ironically uh the the main reason i left and it's it's so bizarre thinking about it now given you and i are talking virtually given most meetings are virtual <laughs> these days yeah. The, the the big reason I left was was geography. Um, okay. My role was pulling me um, down to Yorkshire um, more and more, almost full time. Um, I had a, a little one on the way. Um, it mm. wasn't really going to work in terms of work life balance. Um, 
I suppose we, we'll, we'll touch on that later in terms of how the market's changed in that respect. Yeah. But yeah, it was uh, it was mainly down to geography. Yeah. Um, so you went to RSM? PWs. I did. I went to RSM. Yeah. Um, so a top 10 firm, um, a firm that um, very different from PwC. And again, that was a bit of a myth that was smashed when I left Big Four. Um, the perception whilst I was working for Hayes and certainly whilst I was working for PwC is that big four are much larger, but surely most firms in the top 10 must be similar. The processes must be similar. The, you know, it, it's just the same but smaller or the same but bigger. Um, and nothing could be further from the truth. Okay. RSM were a completely different business from PwC, um, completely different way of working, um, completely different way of uh, hiring people, different ways of, of moving people through the business. So again, um, I always looked at top 10 as big four light. Mm. Um, you know, <laughs> be the same, but the offices will be smaller. Completely different. And that was, again, really interesting. When I was speaking to candidates to say, well, look, it's not all the same. There are lots of differences. The big four are so different from everyone else. You've yeah. then got the top 10. You've then got the top 30. Mm. Um, I was so with I suppose, RSA. I suppose then, sorry to interrupt, but I suppose no, then the, the key thing if a candidate in the market is listening right now is if you are interviewing at a big four or a top 10, maybe at RSM, make sure that, if for whatever reason the internal recruiter that you're dealing with is not as forthcoming with as much information, hopefully they will be, but if they're not, I suppose it's make sure you get your questions together, either for the recruiter or for the hiring managers in the interview, because like you just said there, there's a lot of differences and they need to, if they're going to get two job offers, they need to be, they need to be uh, informed really, don't they, to, to make the right decision. I think you're absolutely spot on, Sophia. I think it's what what a lot of people forget, um, and this is where people like yourself and I um, have got a, a role to play. Yeah. For candidates, if we look at the big four, um, candidates in big four audit is a good example. Those individuals have probably joined um, big four straight out of university. Yes. So this might be their first proper job. They've then maybe spent three, five years training in that firm. So to them, much like I was saying about me when I was with Hayes, mm. I thought, oh, well, this is you know, that's what practices are like. To those guys and girls, they think, well, this is what professional services is like. I work in Big Four. This is what I know. This is how it all works. And it's very different outside of the Big Four bubble. Mm -hmm. So you want someone, if you are looking to change roles, whether that's through someone like me, an internal recruiter, someone like yourself, Sophia, an external consultant, mm -hmm. You need to be able to talk to that person. That person needs to be able to talk to you about what those key differences are. Why are you looking to make a move? Oh, well, I want to work less hours. Okay. Mm. Would you work less hours in top 10? Maybe slightly, but not mm. as much to maybe make the difference perhaps. So it's it's knowing the key differences and talking yeah. the candidate through that. Yeah, absolutely. So you were you went back to a bit of your roots, I suppose, at RSM, didn't you? You were a bit more of a three six three hundred and sixty degree recruitment consultant, unlike at PwC, where I suppose you were resourcing and moving pe the right people around the business. You were doing that recruitment role, um, but did you did you say you felt a bit like there was a lot of you, wasn't there? You were a small small piece in a big puzzle, and it, it was time to time to look for something else. Yeah, I knew with RSM that it wasn't a career role. I knew that I'd maybe be there two or three years. Um, RSM, it's a great business and there's some brilliant people there. Certainly at that time, I felt like RSM were still finding their place in the market. 
Um, they'd grown through a lot of mergers and acquisitions. Yeah, had, yeah. uh, there was a lot of different views in terms of where the company should be focusing, um, how they bring people in, you know, at what level, what background they need to have, all that kind of good stuff. Um, I loved my time there. It was a really interesting job. I covered three different countries, multiple service lines. Mm. Um, I was involved with new businesses um, joining RSM in terms of making sure that they felt part of the group, uh, looking at really interesting roles. Um, but it was, you know, the RSM structure is the RSM structure. I knew that I was a, a kind of cog in the wheel. Mm. Um, and again, this is interesting in terms of knowing the differences between what we get each firms. I knew that RSM wasn't going to ever make any structural changes to the way in which the recruitment model worked, which which is fine. They're a big organisation. Yeah. It's not easy to make these big sweeping changes. Um, the opportunity to join Armstrong Watson came up, as I say, yeah. after about two years with RSM. And because of the size of Armstrong Watson, because of where they were in their journey, there was the opportunity to come in and build something really yeah. exciting. And that was what uh, brought me into this role. And to be fair, that's what's kept me in this role for nigh on four years now. Yeah. So that's a a bit of a snapshot in terms of my background. Yeah, so obviously for anyone listening, Armstrong Watson, they're top, top 30 now. How many sites have you got across the, the country or the UK? How how many offices? So we've got 18 now. Um, we predominantly sit in northern England, so yeah. um, northwest and, and up. Uh, we have offices in Scotland, but mainly on the, on the west coast. So we're very much a, a northern-centric firm. Yeah. So you've gone to, I don't want to say you've gone to a small firm, but I suppose no, in no, comparison yes. <laughs> in comparison to RSM, what you've done is you've gone in as you're the talent, you're the you're the manager of that of the talent team, aren't you? Really? You you have set it up and you've run it and you've you've streamlined it for a firm that didn't didn't have it before, I'm assuming. That's what you're that's what you came in to do. Absolutely. And what's interesting, um, certainly when you look at the marketplace now, so um Armstrong Watson, I think, were quite um, quick, quick off the mark in terms of bringing their recruitment function in-house. Mm. There has been a challenge in the marketplace for as long as I've worked on recruitment in terms of professional services firms recruiting top talent. Yeah. Demand has always outstripped supply, and you and I both know that's still the case yeah. now. You know, it's, it's, it's still a challenge. Um, Armstrong Watson made the decision to bring... Uh, someone in-house because they wanted to manage their own recruitment message themselves. Yeah. Uh, they wanted to make sure that they had a, a better grip on what was going on in the marketplace. Um, they wanted to take away the reliance on, on agency support. And I can talk a bit more about how we've balanced that out um, over the last few years. Um, and they wanted, I think this was key, they wanted consistency across yeah. the business. Just get you a better grip. A lot of different. Yeah. Yeah, it was a lot, a lot of different offices, a lot of different service yeah. lines. You want to make sure that there's a consistent approach toward getting that recruitment piece mm. right. Um, so, yeah, it was a, a brand new role, brand new offering, um, and a very interesting opportunity, especially in, in the north. Yeah. So, you've kind of, you're honing it in a bit now, aren't you? And you're a bit, you're, I suppose you're a bit more of a, local it's more local I suppose for you isn't it yeah. um so what do you like about working in this market then <clears throat> what do you like about 
the accountancy practice market. So the hiring managers that you work with, <laughs> the candidates that we work with, accountants, basically, in a nutshell. What what do you like about it? You must That's love it because you've, so, you've done it for so long. Because I love it because I started doing a lot of them. Um, when I joined Dot Recruit, I did a lot of the industry recruitment. Mm-hmm. Um, I still dip into it every now and then. You don't forget. It's like riding a bike. You don't. You don't forget, especially when you're talking yeah, you're to colleagues. Right. Yeah, especially when you're talking in the office about credit controllers and financial controls and things like that. Um, but I really love the accountancy practice market. So what what do you love about it? Oh, that's a really good question. It depends you, depending on what day I'm having. I might have a different <laughs> answer. Um, it's, a, it's a market in a sector that's always changing. Yeah. The market is always, always changing, whether that's um, in terms of the where the clients sit, so the size of clients and where they sit in the marketplace, the type of work that we're doing, um, it's always moving. Technology, um, yeah, software, like yeah. yeah, it's it's a really innovative uh, sector. I think um, I find the people really interesting. So you know, I'm sure we'll talk a bit more about the you know the key difference between say industry and, and public practice. Mm-hmm. The thing that I love about public practice is our client range is so diverse. As I said earlier on, you could be dealing with a, you know, a food and drinks company one minute, you could be dealing with a oil and gas company the next. It's so diverse, the client base. And I enjoy that because it means then you've got a lot of really interesting people that you're working with on a daily basis. And I love that because yeah. you know, our job is a people-focused industry. Yeah, you've, you've got to enjoy the people aspect of it. Otherwise, you're not going to do it all that long. Yeah, I feel like us in recruitment and the accountants we're very similar do you know what I mean we both have clients and we both provide a service so it's almost like none of us are really dealing with a product as such we all deal with people so we're kind of on a level with each other they need I need to win new clients they also need to win new clients I need to bill they also need to bill so I feel like we're quite similar we just provide a totally different service um I also like as well and we'll talk about it in a minute I think I also like really working with a candidate and getting to know them don't get me wrong I need clients I do need clients and I do need jobs but I like just getting one candidate really getting to know them and just thinking right how can I help you and what 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 which of my clients can we look at for you and that's what you mentioned at the start why you liked practice which is you had that one really good candidate and they had four interviews that's what I really love. And it's not like that in industry recruitment. You have one no. job, the financial controller job or the management accountant job, and you've got to find multiple candidates. And, and you're basically saying to the client, oh, the, these four are all suitable. Whereas for practice, it's the other way around, isn't it? Absolutely. It's having that one candidate and, and really working with them and supporting them and coaching them. Um, so that's what I like about it anyway. So... You've worked at a few different top 100 firms there. Do you think, just in the market in general, because obviously I work with smaller clients that as well that are nowhere near top 100, they're just local firms. Does this top one, does it matter where a candidate's come from? Do hiring managers care at Armstrong Watson when they see a CV and they come from, Are people? do people actually care? where the firms sit in, in the top 100? Is, is that a thing for you guys or? It's a really good question. And um, we are aware of it, but it doesn't make a difference in terms of the decision-making, I would say, Sophia. Yeah. So what it tells us is what sort of things someone might be comfortable with. And it will give us yeah. an insight 
into the types of clients that they've worked with. Yes, so, client base. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, if you're talking to someone that has worked in big four all their career, you are going to have a really good idea as to the type of clients and the size yeah. of clients that they've worked with. If you are talking to someone that's working for a three-partner, um, 10 headcount firm, yeah. you're going to have an idea as to the type of clients they've yes. worked with. So there's not, it's not a case of one being better or worse than the other. Generally, it yeah. isn't. What it's about is knowing, okay, well, given the type of work they're doing now, I've got an idea as to what type of work I could plug them in here. Absolutely. Whether they could do it, whether they understand it, whether they want it. So I think it certainly makes a difference from a hiring manager perspective because it helps set expectation from the candidate's point of view. Yeah. So if I'm a candidate now and I'm looking at big four, top 10, top 30, and because you used the word, and it was interesting, you used the word small earlier on, and I know you, you seemed a bit um, unsure as to whether you should say that. That's okay. We are a much smaller firm than RSMPWC. People worry about comparing size and it being seen as a bad mm-hmm. thing. It's absolutely not. It's, it's about working out what that means. So we are a smaller firm than RSM and PWC. What that means is the majority of our clients are local businesses, um, owner-managed businesses, SMEs. They tend to sit in that kind of 10 to 100 million pound turnover bracket. Um, some people really want to work in that space because they want to be working with local businesses. Yeah, they yeah. want to be talking to local business people. They want to be contributing to their local economy. So that's not about size being important, but from a candidate's perspective, if they've got an idea as to what type of client they want to work with, mm. that by proxy will dictate the size of the firm they go yeah. and work with. So <clears throat> it, that's where I would say it's, it's more important. It doesn't yeah. necessarily mean people are right or wrong for an organization, but it means then depending on what they want to do, it's easier yeah, to align with the right business. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So it's kind of like you're proud to almost say we're smaller compared to everyone else because yeah, actually what that means is we're not right for a load of people, but we're perfect for the other half of people. Um, so, yeah, it's like your client base is, is different, isn't it? So that's what, yeah, that's really interesting. I 100% agree with that. So let's just kind of have a chat then about, the challenges that hiring managers the interviewers (laughs) the partners what what they're facing in the market um first of all and then in a minute we'll talk about the challenges that candidates are facing so hiring managers it's such a candidate it's a candidate driven and short market especially when you're getting qualified especially because you know people want to go into move into industry especially the good auditors as well it's so it's such a short short market that's would you agree that's the biggest challenge and biggest barrier absolutely yeah absolutely completely agree do you feel like there's any other barriers And, and what could they be doing to kind of sort it um, I mean, it's a brilliant question. Um, I wish I had the the answer as such. Mm-hmm. My opinion, because you're absolutely right, it's a candidate short market. What I think professional services firms need to be doing more of, and we are doing it now as an industry, but we need to make sure that we are fit for purpose in terms of what candidates want. It's moving with the times and it's yeah, modernizing. Right, you yeah. know, the, we, we've talked about this before, but the, the world has changed exponentially over the last few years right. with regards to how people work and what people want. If we take something as simple as, as home working, flexible working. Yeah. Um, now, you know, Armstrong Watson have always operated a flexible working scheme for as long as I've worked here. So this isn't a new thing for us. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, 
during the pandemic where people obviously working from home. We still have people now that will spend a proportion of time from home and that's absolutely fine. You know, we, we're supportive of that, encouraging of that. But if you've got firms, for example, who might pay market rate, mm -hmm. um, so they pay relatively well, they might have a really interesting client base, they might be a really good firm to go and work for. But if, for example, they are saying, we want people in the office nine to five, Monday to Friday, there's no home working. Mm. That's going to drive a large part of the market away. That's going to turn a large part of the market off. So in terms of the challenges, I think firms need to be thinking about how do they modernize and how do they keep up with the market? Yeah. If you look at what, and you'll know this from speaking to candidates, candidates want flexibility. They want okay. progression. They want to be paid properly, but they also want to be working for firms that have a social conscience, that are going to look after their well-being, that are going to allow them to drop off and pick up their kids in the morning or walk the dog on a lunchtime, whatever it may be. And it's firms thinking about not just the um, professional opportunities they might provide someone with, but the, uh, the personal opportunities and the ability yeah. to still have a home life and still have a fulfilling career. So that's I think where we as businesses and hiring managers can make improvements and changes, we can be more flexible with people uh, and that will help the... Um, help you attract more people? Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely smart. Help us attract them, help us keep them as well. Okay. Yeah. Also help us keep them. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree with all of that. I spoke with a client this week and um, booking a couple of interviews in for a couple of candidates and there was two hiring managers in the process. Um, one of them couldn't get their head around why the candidates could not attend at 1.30 or 2.30 in the afternoon. And the other hiring manager was like, actually, no, this is the way you need to be thinking as a business. You know, if we want to attract the right talent, we need to see them at 4.30. We need to see them at yeah. 5 o'clock. We need to kind of meet people in the middle. Um, and I think what I'm trying to get at there is firms need to come away from this kind of antiquated, you know, old school mentality and, and keep thinking forward about flexible working, flexible Absolutely. hybrid and timings and systems and the study support package as well and things like that. So, yeah, so getting good talent equals being modern and flexible, basically, is what we're trying to tell you all that I was listening. Um, yeah. That's it in a nutshell, isn't it? Um, so candidates then, let's talk about what <laughs> the challenges they face because everyone's probably thinking, well, you just kind of said we're in the driving seat as candidates, so surely we're not facing any challenges. Um I think the biggest challenge, I don't know if you agree, for candidates is when they do enter the market, how the hell do they do? How do they do it? What do they do? Where do they go? Oh my gosh, there's so much choice. Do, would you agree? Do you feel like that's that's a challenge? I, I think you're absolutely spot on, Sophia. Yeah. I was just about to say the same thing. You're, you're absolutely right. That's the biggest problem candidates have is too much choice. Um, yeah. Now, that is where, in my opinion, and obviously we've got two recruiters um, on here, so we're both going to be slightly biased. Um, <laughs> that's where, in my opinion, um, a good recruitment consultant yeah. can help a candidate. It's not about trying to push the candidate towards anything, but yeah. it's about really getting under the hood as to why that candidate's entered the market. So, again, you know, if we are looking at someone, I'll use the big four as another example, Say you get a candidate tomorrow that rings you up and says, Sophia, I want a move. Um, I want to leave Big Four Accounting. Mm -hmm. You'll want to understand why, won't why? you? That's the key yeah. thing. Yeah. And if they're talking about the fact, oh, well, I, I don't like 
I, I don't want to be doing 60 hours a week. I don't want to be doing loads of travel, excessive travel. Yeah. Um, I want to be working for um, a business that's got more of a, a family feel, a local mm. feel. If you send their CV to you know the other three big four firms, I've not listened. <laughs> not exactly. Listened. You might you might get them a promotion. Mm. You might get them a lot more on their bottom line salary. Um, you know, but you're not actually giving them what they want. So mm. I think you're absolutely bang on. The big challenge candidates have is they have as much choice now than they've ever had. And that's before you factor in, you know, the, the fact that there are businesses now uh, that will allow people to work um, fully remote. So you could feasibly have someone sitting in Newcastle working for a London-based accountancy firm, mm. working on uh, pieces of work in the South, which wasn't something that was happening three years ago. So they have, they have so much choice. What, they, what candidates need to do, though, is work out Right. What do I want? Yeah, what do I want? Or if I'm being approached, which let's be honest, you know, a lot for a lot of candidates, they may not have been thinking about a move, but they may have been approached about a move. What is it that's important to me? Yeah. Um, forget about the name above the door, forget about the, the prestige of a firm. You know, it's a bit of putting ego to one side and saying, well, don't don't think about how big the firm is or how massive the turnover is or how many different offices they've got. And that's yeah. what I was saying earlier. That's why to me, size when it comes to accountancy firms is less important. Yeah. It's about what is your, what's your driving force for wanting to make a change. Once they know yeah. what that is, and once you know what that is, then you can start to funnel down and advise properly. Yeah. You know, no. if, some, if, yeah. if I if I talk to a candidate and they say, I want to work on big listed audits and I want to travel the world with whatever firm I work for, I would say that's excellent, brilliant. It's really good that you know what you want to do. You should go and speak to the big four or top 10 <laughs> because those are the firms that will give you what you want. Yeah. There's no point in us trying to convince them that their home is here because it's not the right fit. Yeah. No, that's that's ex- perfect. That's exactly what I do. I want to get under the skin of that candidate. What are their tick boxes? What is yeah. most important to them? Um, and I like to do that on my first call, my first meeting with them, whatever you want to pan it out. Sometimes it's on their lunch break in the car park. Um, and then I need to like go, I always tell my candidates, I just need to go away and just have a real good think. Just have a look yeah. at a few things, look at a few clients and I'll come back to you with a few, few options because I know that firm there, even though they're on your doorstep, is not going to be right for you but 20 minutes down the road actually you could you know just do pure accounts or it's a nice accounts and audit mixed role or you'll be working on a lot kind of smaller owner managed businesses so yeah I think um there's so much like you say there's so much choice for them even recently I actually had a candidate come to me and I was encouraging her to stay where she was (laughs) um (laughs) just because what she was telling me what she wanted I was like you actually get it where you are and she was like I know I know I get it she's like but I am really unhappy. And I was like, right, okay, let's see what's out there. Um, so we are looking at just just one thing at the moment for that would tick all them boxes. Um, so yeah, I, I even tell people to stay where, tell candidates to stay where but, they are. <laughs> but that's the power of a good recruiter, Sophia. Yeah. I mean, listen, we're both, we're both self-aware. I am more than aware as to the reputation individuals in the recruitment industry. I know. It's a very... Um, you know, it, it, candidates worry that they're going to be pushed into doing something that they don't want to do they feel like there's going to be the kind of hard sell for some recruiters that's true um yeah unfortunately but a good recruiter like you've done there will talk mm. to you and consult you on right yeah. what do you want if you're getting that where you are as you've said to that candidate there tell them 
You know, yeah. you're not going to then push them to do something that isn't right for them because ultimately, yes, it might result in you helping them make a move and, and earn a fee, but it doesn't do anything for the kind of long-term relationship between you and that candidate. That candidate now knows, the candidate you've advised there now knows that whatever advice you give them is going to be genuine. I think you should look there because they'll give you what you want. You know, that, and that's that's so powerful. So again, it just highlights, although there's so much choice for candidates, for those ones that maybe haven't been in the market, as in the recruitment market, all that often, a good recruiter is so useful. So it'll just help them navigate those choppy waters. I'm just glad I'm not an accountant or an auditor or a tax specialist because I wouldn't, I mean, I've no to come to me, but I wouldn't know where the heck to go. Like, where do I start? Do I go to one of the general, generally state, I don't know if I should say that, but like the general agencies, um, Reed or Hayes, or do I go, what, what do I do? Where do I go? Like, who do I trust? So I'd rather you guys than me listening because I wouldn't know where to go. Apart from come to me, obviously, I'll, I'll help you out. But, um, <laughs> there you go. So do you, so you've gone, you've, you're heading up this um, internal recruitment, internal talent department, Armstrong Watson. Um, are you still using agencies then? Well, I kind of know the answer to that because obviously <laughs> we've got a little bit of a relationship going, but do you still use agencies to attract? Do you try and do it yourself? Do you do a bit of a mix? And what, yeah, what's going on with you guys at the moment? Good question. So we typically recruit about 30% of our people annually through recruitment agencies. So okay, like one in three. I, yeah, so I'm, I, I'm pro-agency. Um, I don't understand why you get people in my roles that are anti-agency. Mm. Now, pro-agency doesn't mean you send every job to a recruitment agency. That's not what that means in in my book for me it's about utilizing uh, your agency relationships to get the best candidates now what i mean by that is you, know, you you will speak to i don't know how many candidates a week maybe 50 might be 100 might be somewhere in between depending on what kind of week you're having and um, you, know, you will speak to people that i might not speak to you'll have relationships with candidates that I won't have. Yeah. Um, and by you and I, for example, having that trusted relationship, if you come to me and say, David, I've just found this phenomenal candidate that's in Kendall. He or she is looking to make a move to a smaller firm because they don't like where they are, they don't like the structure, or they're looking to make a step up to a larger firm because mm. they want to do more technical work, blah, 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 blah. That is great because that's that's what I need and what I want. So agencies absolutely have a part to play in, in our um recruitment yeah. plans um i do think that firms uh, need to make sure there's not an over reliance on agencies um because i think that's a dangerous mm. place to be but it's about having the balance it's about speaking to the right agencies at the right sort yeah. of level and much like we've said about our candidates candidates should be speaking to to experts um in my opinion firms should be doing exactly the same yeah. you would be able to advise you know, a partner or a director, whoever it may be, about the state of the market. If they ring you up and say, I'm looking to recruit a tax manager, you'll be able to advise them on, right, well, this is what we're seeing in the marketplace. Yeah. These are the types of things candidates want. These are the types of salaries you'll need to be paying. You can advise and you can help them. Mm. You know, and I will take that same advice and help from, from our agency yeah. partners. So, yeah, mm. definitely got a big part to play in what we do. Yeah. Do you work with a lot then? Or do you, is there a lot where you're like, no, I can't work with them because then I can't trust them. They don't know yet. They don't know the market. Do you have a lot of relationships? Is there some good ones, bad ones? I don't name them, some... but I'm just saying. No, no, no. <laughs> I'm just saying, do you see that? 
you do, unfortunately. Um, there's some absolutely phenomenal um, external recruiters out there, people that I've worked with for you know, nine a decade. Um, excellent at what they do. They know the market really well. Um, and I would trust them implicitly. When they send me a candidate, I know, generally before I've even looked at the CV, that this person's going to be of, of good quality because the recruiter understands the marketplace. They understand what the candidate wants. Uh, they understand why that person would be a good fit for our business. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a lot of recruiters uh, like that still in the marketplace, which is which is great. Unfortunately, there are a lot of individuals that... Um, it's a little bit of, you know, let's chuck as much proverbial at the wall as we can and, and see what sticks. Um, I won't bore all your listeners with it too much, but I do think that, that comes from certainly some of the larger agencies um, selling the dream to clients of building long-term relationships, but judging their consultants on short-term wins. Okay. You know, it's very, if you say to a junior consultant um, who's never done the job before, right, I want you to go and build all these relationships with local practices. I want you to develop your name in the marketplace, make sure candidates understand and respect that you know what you're talking about, you can help them. You know, if, they, if they're given the time to do that, they'll do really well. But at the same time, that consultant's all, also told, you need, I need to, to be building in the first three months. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And exactly. it's a so, slow pace. It's a bit of a slow pace in practice, really, isn't it? It is. And it's one of those things whereby, you know, I, I have a degree of sympathy for some of those more junior consultants because you can see that they want to learn about me, learn about the business, learn what makes mm. us tick, learn what we need, but they also need to make a placement. Mm. So it's that, you know, it's two kind of polarizing forces in that sense that agencies sell the long term relationship part but they're judging their consultants on short-term results. Mm. And good agencies will understand that in the practice market, you've got to give it time. Time, Results will come in time. So there are some excellent recruiters in the marketplace, obviously yourself included, um, but there are still ones that maybe don't have the understanding of practice Mm. that they should. Um, And that makes it difficult because that's when candidates get gets bad that's when the candidate gets bad advice. That's Mm. when we as the client potentially gets Mm. bad advice. Um, It's... um, it's a challenge. I mean, mm. I you'll have noticed this week, and I know you you um, you commented on it, which was lovely. And um, we are we do recruitment with some of our clients on an yeah, ad hoc I basis. Saw that. Interestingly enough, I got three messages from recruitment agencies saying, "Can I send you CVs for that job?" Mm. So they hadn't right. even mm-hmm. read. They they just seen Armstrong Watson. They'd seen vacancy, and they just. Before, before they'd thought or read properly what it is we were doing, they're asking if we can send CVs. So from a credibility standpoint, there's not a lot there because they're not even read. So that's the problem I think um, the recruitment industry has where there's people that are just so desperate to, to, to make a fee because that pressure's on. They're not doing the consultative piece yeah. Is so important. Yeah, they've not got that time to because they need to bill, bill, bill. I need to make placement yeah. placements. The, the, these junior consultants, they don't have time to be consultative. But I think that's where you were really lucky when you got that that job at Hayes. Um, and I've been really lucky here at Dot Recruit. We were both given that opportunity to build that build it up, build it up with candidates, yep. build up our knowledge, build up our style, build Absolutely. up our reputation over, you know a year one to two years or whatever and it it makes you a better a better accountancy practice recruiter um, Absolutely. 
What does a real star candidate look like to you then when they, <laughs> when you get one from your one of your agencies or you get, you, you, however you get your candidates and their CVs, what does it look like to you? What, what are you looking for? The honest answer, um, it doesn't, the background doesn't make a huge difference in the sense of it doesn't matter whether someone's coming from big four, top 10, small independent, somewhere mm. in between. It's about why they are interested in us. That's what okay. a star candidate looks like. So why do they think that Armstrong Watson's a good fit? If they want to work for a people-focused business that's operating in the middle market and that's working with local clients, that's a star candidate because we can give them that. Yeah. It doesn't matter where they're coming from. As long as they've got the technical skills that we need to a certain extent, it's about making sure that the fit, the cultural yeah. fit is there. Um, it doesn't matter, as I say, if we had two CVs, one from PwC and one from a local accountancy firm down the road, we wouldn't look at one as better or worse than the other just because of where they've worked. It's about why they want to come into our marketplace and what the drivers are. So that, to me, is what makes up a star candidate. Yeah, I think for me as well, just coming, that's from an internal point of view, because you're only thinking about one client, which is you guys, you're, you're yeah. your client. <laughs> Obviously, I've got quite a lot of candidate, a lot of clients. For me, I think what a star candidate looks like is I like to see longevity yeah. in accountants. So I like to see that they have really stuck around. They've really put everything into that firm. So if they, if they started when they were 18 years old, which a lot of them do, they come out of college and they go on to the AAT apprenticeship, usually. Obviously, there's the degree degree routes as well. Um, but take a, a college leave, for example. I like to see a bit of longevity. You know, they've been there for... They've really worked hard every year at the level two, the level three, the level four. Yeah. And they, they're on to the ACA. I mean, they don't, they can even have done some resets on the chartered. It's fine. But as long as they, re, you know, they really kind of, I like to see that longevity um, and not necessarily kind of chasing the money because it's not like that in accountancy practice, is it? Um, it's it's a long <laughs> it's a long slog for a lot of them. So to me, I, that's that's a big thing that I like to look out for. I don't know if I don't know if you're similar. No, I think you make a good point, and I think on that, I would say a big thing about what makes a, a great candidate is that that honesty piece. Mm. Um, there's absolutely nothing wrong with a candidate interviewing for a role and saying, I want to do this for a certain amount of time and then I might want to go and work in industry. Yeah. Or I want to do this and then I want to use this as a vehicle to go and do something else. Brilliant. That's great. Let us know. Talk to us about that. That's not going to suddenly put us off. Oh, well, if you're thinking about doing something else, mm -hmm. you aren't the hire for us because we may be able to help. It might be a case yeah. of I'm saying, right, well, you, you want to come in, you might want to do corporate finance for a few years and then go and work in industry excellent what we can do is is we can possibly help you you know speak to some of our clients get an idea to the type of firm you might want to work for mm -hmm. and and enable them to go and do what they want to do so honesty is a big thing as well yeah you i know, like be, that actually. be honest with the business yeah being honest with me because i'm 100 honest with everybody what you see is what you get but yes absolutely i like honesty so i want them to tell me if they want to get to director level or alternatively i want them to tell me if they are if they just want to plod along if they just want to stop at the end of the aat and they don't want to continue i need to know that like that's really important yeah honesty i think is a really really good one and you've hit on a brilliant point there about um you know, ambition.
And I do think that one of the challenges that candidates have got right now is that everyone feels like they should want to be a partner of the future. <laughs> everyone feels like they've got to say, I want to be a partner. I want to be at the top of the business. Some people don't, and that's yeah. absolutely fine. Every, you know, there's, there's a lot of merit in having someone that says, right, I want to get to that level, and then I want to be the absolute best in class at that level. And that, that, that's where my ambition lies. That's okay. That's absolutely fine. Don't feel like you've got to say you want to be doing this or that. If you don't, be honest with the recruiter, be yeah. honest with the client you're talking to, because then they can make sure that you're in a role that matches your ambition. Yeah. Or they aren't going to be trying to push you onto a level that you might not want to work at. And then you feel, oh, well, they want me to go on for director. I just want to be here. I'm going to have to leave. Leave again. As long as oh, that, yeah, yeah. Have that open dialogue oh, with definitely. the recruiter, with the end client. Yeah. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. And I'll do my absolute utmost best to, you know, answer absolutely every question on that client before you go into that interview. But at the end of the day, I don't work in that firm. I haven't worked for that partner or manager. So sometimes I need, I always try and put a bit of responsibility back on the candidate and say, I've told you 90% that you need to know. Make yeah. sure you've got some really good questions. Make sure your tick box questions you are asking in that interview. Don't come away feeling like you don't know. And if you do come away feeling like you, you don't know a couple of things, like what the client base looks like or something like that, let me know. Ask. And we'll yeah. ask, we'll, I'll ring them Absolutely. up or I'll pop them an email and they can come back to me when they've got a bit of time. So that's what you need to do, um, especially if you've got three interviews in a week, your head's going to be all over the place, isn't it? You're going to be thinking, Precisely. What, what did they do? And I always like to try and do summarise every time I speak to a candidate after they've had their interviews or whatever. It's like, right, so let's let's go through them again one by one. So that firm yep. is three partner, one site firm. That firm, they've got a few sites around the Northwest. There's hybrid work in there, but there isn't at that other one. So, and but at this really small practice where only 10 people work, you can become partner. So there's there's so many different things, isn't there? Um, and I always try and bring it back to that, to that sum summarization, really. But once again, that just highlights the power of a good recruiter. Mm. Because if that candidate went and Googled local firms in Preston, they'd probably get a list of 20 firms. Yeah. But they wouldn't know what you've just said there. Know. You know, what's yeah. the progression like? What's the hybrid working like? What's the client base like? What's the team like? What's the firm's ambitions? Does the firm yeah. want to stay in the marketplace they're in? Do they want to, to, are they looking up? Are they looking down? You know, all those sorts of things. So again, that just highlights yeah. how important a good recruitment consultant can be to a candidate trying to navigate through. Yeah. So apart from maybe not having some good longevity on their CV or being a bit dishonest, um, what else are candidates <laughs> making a rod for their own back for in the market? So when 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 you get candidates going in for interviews with your hiring managers, is it are they unsuccessful because they've interviewed poorly? Was their CV poor? Was it the exam fails? Um, was it that they're asking for too much money or even too little money? What <laughs> what is the um why aren't they getting the jobs at Armstrong Watson? Oh, that's an excellent question. Um, I do think a lot of it is rooted in the candidate maybe not being sure what they want mm. and not being sure what's realistic. And that's not to say that you know, I, I don't mean that in terms of, of money or anything like that. Um if I look at a candidate, for example, who 
wants to work across multiple service lines. So they want to do a little bit of audit, they want to do a little bit of accounting, they want to do a little bit of tax. They want a varied role, they want to be a, a good generalist. Mm. If we interview them, we we are of a size where we have service line specific roles. Yeah, so yeah. we can't give someone a role that's covering a multitude of different things. Yeah. So that candidate's, uh, they are, where they want to be doesn't align with what we can give them. So it comes back to what we're saying right at the beginning. It's about you know, the, the big reason that people might be unsuccessful, we might not make offers, isn't that these people are, are bad at their job or mm. aren't able to do what we need them to do. Um, and I will touch on the salary point in a minute, but I think the majority of it is they maybe aren't necessarily sure what they want to do or they're not sure yeah. what we are able to offer them and the views don't really align. So yeah. again, that's about making sure, right, well, if I want to work... Um, across if i want to do a generalist role you're probably going to have to look at a smaller firm because that's generally what you'll get in a smaller smaller yeah, business yes. so make sure that you're not interviewing with five top 10 firms <laughs> because you're going to be disappointed um yeah. interview at the right level and um, on the salary piece i mean uh, look it's a it's a challenge for professional services firms i think to keep up with the way in which salaries are are growing but in my opinion and i just um i recently wrote a, a paper on this um, candidates are mindful of salary, but it's about so many other things. It's about the salary and the holidays. It's about the salary and the holidays and the pension contributions, but yeah. salaries, holidays, pension, and well-being benefits. It's about the working from home piece. It's about yeah. the office environment, parking, progression, the types of clients I'll be working for. How am I rewarded? How do I make the next step up? So I personally think that if you get nine out of those 10 things right, salary becomes far less important. Now that doesn't mean that firms should take their eye off the ball when it comes to salaries, because we need to make sure that we are paying the right amount given where the market is moving to. But it's not just about chucking money at the problem. It's about making sure that your whole package is attractive to an individual coming in the door so that salary isn't just the driving force. So if salary is just the driving force, that candidate is you're at risk of losing that person to the next firm that will pay five grand more. Yeah. It's about making sure you get the whole thing right. Yeah. So obviously, like you just said there, you've got different service lines at Armstrong Watson. And then there's other firms where it's a bit more all-rounded, a bit more merged. Um, which of your departments then, I suppose, if you were in a cat, if you were working in practice, <laughs> what would excite you if you were in there? Is it and I don't know, you can think about, it might not even be Armstrong Watson, think about any of your jobs that you've had at PwC, RSM, and where you're at the minute, Armstrong Watson. What do you think is exciting? Like, if, if, if there's some, like, AAT studying people right now listening, <laughs> and they're just doing bookkeeping, back returns, bit, bit of a, maybe they're getting onto accounts prep, where would you go? What do you think? Oh, that's an excellent question. By the way, it's a good job I'm not an accountant. I would be fired <laughs> very quickly if I was. Um you want, you certainly want to go into a role that's got variety. That's my be, answer, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you want to be doing something that's going to keep keep the role interesting. Um, you want somewhere where your development is going to be uh, front and centre. Now, there's a big difference between development and progression because I don't, I don't want it to sound like you need to go and I would want to go and work for a firm where... You know, 
there's going to be a promotion every 12 months mm. but you want to know that your skills are going to be developed yeah. so for me it would be about variety it would be about development am I going to be interested in doing that work am I going to be better in 12 months at what I do in comparison to now so yeah. that would be the driving force for me now the service line for me is inconsequential because some people might want to do that in forensic, some people might yeah. want to do that in audit, some people might want to do that, do that in tax. It depends what is interesting to them. Yeah. Um, for me, you know, audit's always one that I've thought is quite an interesting service line. It's not got that reputation, generally. Yeah. People think of audit as quite transactional, quite process-driven, but you're working with so many different clients um, you're working with different um, sizes of organisations, organisations at different you know, stages of their journey of businesses that are new and growing and you're mm -hmm. helping them to grow. You've got businesses that are well established and might be looking to modernise. So that's where you're getting the variety from, yeah. I would say. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. Um, I think if it was me, I would probably want to do, and actually I've got a client that, has this exact job title funnily enough so that's probably the place I would I would work I'd want to do a bit of audit bit of accounts bit of advisory I'd want to make sure I'm getting involved in a little bit of a little bit of everything I don't I don't want to be like the jack of all trades but sometimes well, the jack of all trades, though, yeah I feel like sometimes a jack of all trades and having you know a lot of strings to your bow I'm using a lot of uh, like cliche terminology here but that could be really good especially if I want to get to like FC or FD if I do want to move into industry um think of all the different exposures that I've had going in on them in them big audits or you know doing the management accounts or advising clients on on different things um helping them implement different softwares and things like that I think that's probably a good a good place to start. Um, so yeah, I think we're both the same there. <laughs> definitely variety. Um, so just talking then then about um, moving into industry. Gosh, that's such a that is such a that is a thing, isn't it? Um, has it always been a thing? People always, always, always. Right, okay, it's always yeah. been seen as the um, you know the, the bright lights of industry. Um, yeah. you'll cut your teeth in practice, and you'll go and work in, in industry. Yeah. Yeah. Do you feel like there's pros and cons? Because I... Oh, absolutely. Yeah, sometimes I feel like I get really young, like AAT, you know, they've only been in practice for like two or three years, say to me, I'm looking for something new, um, you know, move, move to a different practice. But, I'm, but I'll also look at industry roles. And sometimes I just think, Mm, did they actually know? Did they just hear their colleagues talk about it? Oh, I'm going to move into industry one day. And they just think it's this thing. Sometimes I think, God, you've got such a long way to go. And if you move into industry right now, God, you might be doing a bit of a boring job. Do you know what I mean? You might be, you'll be the bottom of that finance team. Um, so I think that's probably, I think, one of the, I don't want to say a con, but, you know, one of the challenges of people moving into industry. Um, but, yeah, there's definitely pros and cons, isn't there? Do you feel like, do you see a lot of people leave Armstrong, Watson, or, or any of the places you've worked to move into to move into industry, like when they qualify or things? Um, yes, it still, still absolutely happens. Uh -huh. I must admit, I'm seeing less of it now. Okay. I certainly saw more of it um, in, in big four, um, in top ten, less now. And I think the point that you've hit on there is is very important. I think for a lot of people, they feel like it's what they should say or what they should go and do, mm. but they're not really sure why. Yeah, they don't know. They can't explain and, it to you. <laughs> and that's what I find really interesting. And I, I see it a lot with individuals, even within professional services, where they say, 
I work in audit or tax or accounting. I want to go and work in corporate finance. So that's fantastic. Why? Yeah. Well, because I think it'll be more interesting. Why do you think it'll be more interesting? And you can just hear the pause. Mm. And they're not really sure. Now, it might be more interesting in terms of what they want to do. But again, it's getting under the hood of that. Well, why do you think, if you just heard it's more interesting? Mm. Industries, uh, you're absolutely spot on in terms of what you said about industry. Some people see it as, oh, well, you know, I'll... I'll maybe get a better work-life balance because I'm only yeah. uh, I'm yeah. working for one person. They yeah. might be right. But if they love the variety of the multiple clients they've got in mm-hmm. practice, how will they fare just working for one firm, managing one process, and kind of rinsing, repeating that every 12 months, for example? Yeah. So I think you're absolutely bang on in terms of what you say. There are still individuals that will aspire to go and work in industry because they just feel like it's what they should go and do but again it's about trying to get an understanding as to to why what's driving that decision um once you know the why you can then advise properly on whether that's a good idea maybe not so good maybe the timing's not quite right all those sorts of things yeah i think a lot of people see it as you know there is sometimes more money you know in industry um but it's got to be the right company for them, hasn't it? That's another thing. I've seen auditors leave RSM, for example, and then they've got, you know, they've gone to a couple of industry, you know, they've gone to a couple of uh, different industry businesses and it hasn't worked out for them. And they have to go back to RSM and think, just, that's just one small example. Um, because obviously, you know, there's sometimes there's a bit of better money in it. Um, and it is right for some people. I'm absolutely not saying that. I feel like when you get to maybe like a bit more of a senior or manager level in practice and you've, you've seen a lot, you've, you've worked with a lot of different businesses, maybe been out on a lot of audits as well. I feel like they probably got their head a bit more in the know of what it would be like to be an industry and what type of industry, what type of finance team. Do they want to be in a finance team of 100 people or do they want to head up their own finance team of like five staff? Um, I feel like they probably have a bit more of, of, of a grip on it. It's just kind of like these these people that are working towards their AAT and they're still so brand new and they haven't really seen anything. I think, yeah. oh God, you could be on such a good career path here if you stay in practice. You've got so much to learn. Um, but yeah, and another thing some people tell me is, you know, like you just said, could it potentially get a bit boring in industry doing you know, the same things month on month, and you might you might like the variety of practice. Um, exactly. So, yeah, there's a lot of... We could talk about it all day, really, couldn't we? But <laughs> I suppose my advice to anybody would be speak to a recruiter or speak... If, do you know anybody? Do you know Absolutely. anybody that has done it and speak to... If you can think of two or three people, because obviously one person's not going to give you... The, the breadth of it all if you can speak to a couple of people or even ask me and I'll point you in the direction of a few people on LinkedIn that I know have done it and are either really enjoying it or struggling I, I could I could point you in the direction of both um not struggling but maybe not particularly liking that company or you know there's a few different things I can point you in the direction of some people so yeah I'd probably say ask ask around and then also having those questions ready for the interview when you get to into your interview for industry god do make sure you've got your do make sure you've got your questions and everything that's important to you just like if you were moving practices what's important to you and your tick boxes what are you going to be doing because oh my gosh 
I've helped candidates get back into practice because they've got there and they're like, it's not what I wanted to do. So yeah, unfortunately I have done that, helped them get back into it. So no, and I would agree wholeheartedly with what you've said there. Talk to yeah. talk to people that you might know of, um, reach out to ex-colleagues, talk to recruitment consultants. Yeah. Get that advice on what you'd be going in to do and what it really looks like. Yeah. I think you're absolutely spot on in that respect. Yeah. Do you have any people ever come back to the places you've worked? back to practice yeah absolutely absolutely um because as you've just said there you're spot on you'll get individuals that will aspire to go and work within industry because they see it as a maybe a better fit for them they will go um and it's not been what they expected it to be maybe it is a bit repetitive maybe they miss the camaraderie that you get within (laughs) practice you know they they don't get that um same sense of belonging whatever it may be and they and they come back um, again, uh, you know, just like you've said there, people worry about how it looks if they leave practice, go to industry and come back. People worry that it's seen as failure mm. or I couldn't do it or I made a wrong decision. It's all a nonsense. Ultimately, yeah. you know, if someone's got that itch to scratch and they want to go work in industry and they're, yeah. they're sure they want to do it, then go and do it. You know, I, I'd encourage people to do it. But don't then feel like you can't say, Actually, you know what? Now that I've done this, yeah, I want to go and I, I, I yeah. prefer practice. I want to go and do it. Yeah. You know, there's there's nothing wrong with that. It's certainly not seen as any sort of defeat or failure. No, and I don't have a single client that wouldn't relook at somebody if they've been out of practice for one to two years and and or even six months or whatever, and it's it's not worked out for them. I'm absolutely fine representing you as a candidate. I have absolutely no problems in it. My clients are more than happy to consider your CV and maybe meet with you if it's all a good match and stuff. Nobody is, um, oh, I hope there's not people out there that are worried that are in industry now thinking, I can't go back, what do I do? Because you can, can't you? You can, It's as long as it's not been a really long time. I mean, we might be able to find a place for you. I might be able to find a client for you, but... As we all know, if you've been out 10 years, things change in practice. That's the only thing. So the longer you're out yeah. there, that's the problem there. No, I think you're right. I think it's certainly the longer you're out, it creates more of a challenge. But you know what? You would, you know, I still, if it were me, I would still want to talk to, to that individual yeah. because the base knowledge will be there. Um, putting ego to one side is, is big when you're making any sort of change. Yeah. Ego can be... Um, hard to navigate around that might be as i say making a step into industry and coming back out it might be to do with the size of the business you're working for the brand name whatever yeah. it may be think about what's important to you as the individual what's important to you doesn't matter the brand name above the door will not make mm-hmm. you for the most part any happier in your role so just yeah. have a real think about what you want and that will drive you to the right decision as opposed to Oh, they're a, you know, I know them, they're big, they sound fancy, I'll go and work there. It's about what the main driving force is. Yeah, brilliant. Oh, well, before I let you go then, have you got any exciting plans coming up for Armstrong Watson as, as a whole, your team? I know you're looking to hire into your team. Um, but yeah, what's going on? What's going on in at Armstrong Watson at the moment? So yeah, you're absolutely right. We're growing, we're growing the team, um, which is great. Um, we are looking to do uh, more work with our client base in terms of helping and advising them um, around their recruitment challenges, um, which is very exciting for for me and for the, yeah, the wider team. Um, for me, in terms of the exciting stuff going forward, we are constantly looking at what we do, how we do it, um, and trying to make sure we are as uh, 
forward thinking is possible in that sense. Um, the market will continue to be challenging. You know that, that I yeah. know that. Um, what's exciting is that, you know, it means that we will be busy. It means that we will be um, <laughs> important to the businesses. And it means that we can offer a lot of help and advice. You know, that's what's yeah. exciting, whether that's in-house or whether that's externally in terms of what you do with your clients or what we mm-hmm. do with our clients. So I think there's a lot of interesting times ahead within our industry, both recruitment and professional services. Um, but I suppose that's why we do it, isn't it? Because it's a another yeah. moving feast. Yeah. Oh, brilliant. Thank you so much, David. Um, it's been a pleasure. And I just hope anyone candidate or hiring manager in the market listening hopefully they took a few few hints and tips away away for them um this afternoon and yeah it's been a pleasure thank you thank you for joining me no thank you so much for having me hope you have a good rest of your day yes and you speak soon thanks Sophia bye-bye